And so we are on week three of a series that we began a couple of weeks ago called Life in the Spirit. And so what does it mean in, in, uh, to, to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit? We see that language quite a bit in the New Testament. Um, we started this series off in Galatians, and we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, and that's where the, the title of the series came from. And Paul tells us that if we walk in the Spirit, if we live in the Spirit, we won't act crazy, right? Yeah, we all have that stuff. He calls them works of the flesh, that, that stuff that shows up on our, our New Year's resolution list every year uh, that we seem to just not be able to get past. He, he says, well, there's a, a different way to live. He says, if you walk in the Spirit, if you're led by the Spirit every moment of every day, there's going to be these things in your life that you're trying not to do, and they're just going to go away. And we looked at the fruit of the Spirit, all nine fruit of the Spirit. Um, and so that was a really awesome time. Last week, we looked at what's known as the upper room discourse. So John 14, 15, and 16. And it was Jesus' kind of last conversation that he had with his disciples somewhere between the upper room and the garden. I don't know exactly where it happened, but he told his disciples five times he said, He will talking about the Holy Spirit, that he will be with you forever, that he will lead you and guide you into all truth, that he'll testify of me. And so we looked at those five he wills or, or functions of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to jump into probably my favorite topic um, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, really when it comes to anything, life in general. I think this is one of the most important things as human beings that we can do in this life is to find out what all's inside of us. Socrates said, to know yourself is the beginning of wisdom, to see what all kinds of treasure may be inside of you. The Bible talks about that God's put treasure in earthen vessels, that's you, and every person has treasure inside of them. And let's just, I mean, we can dial it all the way back, before we were Christians, people that are just, just, just every 7.5 billion people on the planet right now, they're image bearers, created in the image of God, and so God has put incredible talent and treasure inside of them but then there's another side of this that after we come to salvation we're we're given a promise from God that that he's placed not only his spirit inside of us but gifts and talents and it's amazing to me it's it's really hard to turn anywhere in this book and not see the verb give when it comes to God he's generous God is so good to us He's so generous. He's, you know, I think every breath we take on, you know, once we make our debut on into this world is a gift, right? It puts us in the positive. Every day, every moment is, is a gift. But there's also things that God has placed in every person. And it's these gifts, these talents that really determine where we go in life and the impact that we're going to have. I think Mark Twain said it best, the two greatest days in your life is the day that you're born and then the day you figure out why and so a lot of times we don't put the the work in to figure out why to see what's inside of us to see what you know i think that there's different tests and strength finders and all these things that's out there but i want you to know that god has put incredible talent inside of you and i know there's things in you right now that haven't come to the surface you got to believe that that there's still gifts, there's still books, there's businesses, there's, there's miracles, treasure in you that you haven't completely walked into yet. I didn't know this, but um, right now in the current economy in the United States, there's around 50 billion 
unclaimed dollars just sitting in banks. If you know how to get some of that, let me know, please. But, but I want you to think about that for a moment. $50 billion just sitting unclaimed in banks at the National Treasury, different places like that. And I think that the, if we could put a value on the gifts that are sitting inside of people, especially Christians, that are not being used, or we, or we don't know that it's there. And so I want to try to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you. Number one, I want to challenge you. If you don't know what your gift is, I want you to know what your gift is. Because every person has one. The latest research that Fuller Theological Seminary did a couple of months, or I'm sorry, a couple of years ago, it was 24 months or so, they polled Christians. And they found that 80% of Christians didn't know what their spiritual gift was. And then the ones that did know didn't want to use it. So they either felt like there wasn't a place for them within the church or that their gift wasn't needed. And so 80% of the Christians polled in the United States didn't know what their gift was and they weren't using their gift. And so let's, let's look at, um, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is going to be our kind of our text this morning. And then Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and he starts right off and he, he spends a whole chapter, chapter 12, on, on gifts. And so I want to read uh, verse 1 and then verses probably 4 through 6. And so he starts right out of the gate. He says, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. It's some translations say that. And then he goes off and, and he, start, he kind of puts the gifts in buckets. And I want you to catch this. There's different types of gifts. Here we go. But the same Spirit distributes them. Let's go to the next verse, verse 5. So different kinds of gifts. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Verse 6. There we go. But there are different kinds of working, but in all of them, everyone, it is the same God at work. So keep this up here for me. And I want you to see the, the categories here. So a lot of times when we talk about spiritual gifts, I have done this I'm like, I'm like, just, I just seen this getting ready for this message, and I was so excited to share it, because I've never seen this. I always put spiritual gifts in one category. It's a spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit gave it to you, right? There's about 23 or so in the New Testament, uh, more in the Old Testament, but I always just thought, hey, it's a spiritual gift. But Paul says, no, he's teaching the church. He says, I want you to see this, and right out of the gate, he says, there's a, the same Spirit distributes these gifts, but then he goes on and says there's different kinds of service, but the same Lord, and when he uses that term in the whole book of Corinthians, he's referring to Jesus. So there's gifts that the Spirit gives, there's gifts that Jesus gave, and then he goes on and he talks about how there's this working in all of us, but it's the same God. And so he almost puts these different gifts in categories. Some come from the Holy Spirit, some came from Jesus, right? And then some came from God the Father. And so he gives three lists of gifts in the New Testament. And we're going to look at those. But before we jump, I want you to see that word gift. So I think if, if we look at the original language, we're, we, we get a better picture of what he's saying. And so when he says the word gift in the original language is charisma. Charisma. And so I've been asked quite a bit, are you one of those charismatic churches? What, you know, and, and I always ask someone, well, well, define what you mean by charismatic. Hey, put that on the screen for me. So, so charisma basically means gift of grace. 
So when he says there's different kinds of gifts, the original language would read there's different kinds of charisma. And so a charismatic, that word matic, means one who is willing to use. So a charismatic is somebody who knows what their gift is, their, their, their grace gift, this gift from God, and they're using it. And so I always tell folks, if, I hope we're a charismatic church, right? Because a lot of times we, we connect charismatic with how the style of church, right? Like we're, we're shouting, we're hollering, we're running, we're, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. We might pull the snakes out later, you know what I'm saying, depending on where the service goes. Just kidding, we don't have snakes here. We don't do that. They're, they're, um, so there, there's some churches that do that. We don't, but a charismatic, a person that is a charismatic is someone who knows their gift and they're using it. And so we absolutely want to be a church full of charismatics, of people who know their gift. The best de- definition I've heard on a, uh, on a spiritual gift and what it is, is it's a, a special supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children so that together, in unity, we can fulfill his purposes in the world. So every person has one. Every person has one. And I think with gifts, like you can't create a gift, but you can enhance it. You know, and it's just, you know, there, there's certain things that you either have or you don't, right? You look at the, the raw material and, and you know, if, if little Johnny can't throw a football over five yards, he's probably not going to play for the Tampa Buccaneers, right? Or whatever. Like, like, if it's not there, it's not there. If the raw materials aren't there, they're just not there. But when we find our gifts, as we grow and we start finding these things that God has placed in our heart, it is our responsibility to cultivate these gifts. It's our responsibility to, to use these gifts, for God's glory and to, to build his kingdom, but it also will impact the world around us. And so Paul gives three lists of gifts. First Corinthians 12, he puts one in a bucket that says they come from God the Father. He puts one in a bucket that says these came from Jesus. And then he, he puts the rest in this spiritual gifts category from the Holy Spirit. I personally don't believe that these gifts, this is an exhaustive list. I believe this is a sampling that God has gifted every person. And if you look like in the Old Testament, the first mention of a gift was, was someone who had a gift of creativity. He designed the, uh, the inner workings of the Ark of the Covenant and the furniture and different things like that. So, so gifts, I don't believe this is an exhausted list. Like if, if your gift isn't on here, then you don't have one. I think it's a sampling of gifts. And so the first list I want to look at are the gifts of God. So what, what does that mean? Romans 12, Paul gives us another list of gifts. And he says, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, Romans 12, verses 3 through 8, don't think of yourself more highly than you should, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance to the faith that God has distributed these gifts to each of you. So he says, you got to operate in humility, verse 4, just as each one has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, though many form one body, each member belongs to the other. So verse 6, he starts listing, he lists seven gifts here. We have different gifts according to the grace that God has given us. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy, right? If it's serving, serve. Teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So he gives seven, he gives seven different gifts in that listing of, of gifts. And so the, the best way I feel like to illustrate is, is 
Imagine if somebody, you know, just got them a nice hot cup of coffee and they want to sit up front in the splash zone here, okay? And so they're coming. I'm just kidding. I don't, I won't spit, but uh, they want to sit up front. And, and so they're coming down the front of the aisle here and they trip and they spill the coffee all over the place. Right? That'd be kind of embarrassing. Uh, the, the person with the gift of prophecy would look over at their, his or her wife or husband and say, well, I've seen that coming. I, I knew it. I knew that. I've seen that, that, that place in the rug has been sitting there for four years, and I've just been waiting on somebody. to. I had a dream about this, actually. Two nights ago, I, I seen this same person trip, right? So they, they knew it was coming. The person with the gift of serving just gets up and says, I'll clean it. Right? No problem. Let me. The person with the gift of mercy goes over there and cries with them. Oh, it's okay. You know, or, you know like, it's fine. It's, hey, it's all right. The car, we can clean the carpet. You're good to go, right? The, the teacher or preacher says, gets up and says, let me tell you why that happened. Number one, you're late for church. You know, no, no, no. You know, but, but you see how these gifts fit together. The encourager gets up and says, it's okay. There's more coffee out there. Just keep, try again. You know what I'm saying? Like, let, let's go together and let's get another cup and, and, and let's do this together. And the, the leader starts telling people what to do. You go get a mop. You pick up the cup. Hey, you come with me. You know, like, like he starts seeing the people in the room to get this coffee cleaned up. And so you see how it's almost more of a perspective in life, these gifts that Paul says come from God could almost be the way that you're wired. That in any, any given situation, if it's a spilled cup of coffee, or it could be something completely different, your gift activates. And one person that wants to run and help that person, the other person wants to just stay and pray for that person in the corner. Or one person wants to go grab a mop. Or, you know, one person seeing it coming and is thinking, I should have told them to watch out. And so life presents these opportunities where our gifts just come to the surface naturally. And so God has designed us to walk in these gifts, I believe, before we ever were born. The scripture says this, Ephesians 2, that we're God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so God's design in you reveals God's destiny for you, is, what, is basically what he's saying here. And so God's design, the way that you're wired, there's a reason why you want to run in and help when everybody else wants to run away. First responders have this gift. People in the military have this gift. Those that, you know, when there is a crazy situation going on, most of the world wants to watch it on TV eating Cheetos. But a few brave men and women want to go in, right? Because God has gifted them for that. And then others, are, are it's different, right? But God gives these gifts and he wires us this way so that we can fulfill what he's put us on this earth to fulfill. And so that's why I'm, I'm so passionate about Grove Track. We're teaching it this, this Wednesday at 6.30 right here. Because I know a lot of times I did for many, many years, I had no idea what my gift was, what my spiritual gift was. I just wanted to get a job, you know, like, like and, and take care of my family. Like that. And those were all gifts, but I didn't, you know, think that there was any gifts tailored to me. You know, I, I never thought about how, you know, the way that God made me is, is, is unique, but it's specific. And sometimes what we see as faults, God says, no, that's not a fault. That's, I made you that way. 
There's a reason why you want to fight everybody. Come on, somebody, right? There's a reason why you get angry about that. Anger reveals things. Sadness reveals things. There's a reason why you feel the things that you feel. It's connected to the way God created you, and it's most likely connected to the gifts that God has put inside of you. And so we have these, these seven gifts here. These could be seven perspectives. I'm not saying that that is, is all that it is, but we've got these gifts from God. And then I want to look at the gifts from Jesus. So he gives these gifts from God, and he says, all right, there's these gifts from Jesus. And most people are very familiar with these gifts in Ephesians chapter 4. We know this is like the five-fold ministry of the church. Uh, a lot of people are, are familiar with this, but some aren't. And so he, he, he talks about how Jesus, uh, when he was crucified, that he ascended into hell, preached the gospel there, and he came back out, resurrected, and he gave gifts to men and women. It was almost like the imagery there would be like a, a, Roman, a Roman king who would go and defeat a foreign army and he would come back into Rome. And he would, there would be these incredible parades and all the community would come out almost like, like Mardi Gras or something, you know what I'm saying? Like they would shut the whole city down uh, and, and, and they would come out and they would have all these spoils from that, that kingdom or that country that they had just conquered and they would just give these gifts out. So here's, that's the imagery here. And in Ephesians 4, we have a list of these gifts that Jesus gave to the church. We'll look at verse 10. We'll read it together. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself, he specifically listed out, gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers the fivefold ministry. And this is why. To equip his people, the church, for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Okay, so here's five more gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Most of my life, that five lists, I knew that those five items in my mind, I would never ever be one of those. And this would be why, most, most of the reason why was it, that I think those five offices have been very misrepresented. You know, when I think of an evangelist, I think of TBN. Okay, slick back here, you know, preacher stretch a leg, you know what I'm saying? Trying to get you to, to send in money or send in your best, like, like they're, they're evangelizing the world on the TV. And I would see that and be like, I don't ever, 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 please, Lord, want to be that. Right? Or we see a pastor, I mean, we always see when pastors do bad things, typically. The news don't cover the other side of it. And so it's been very, very misrep misrepresented. Or I would feel like, you know, that those five offices are for certain specific people, not me. Right? I didn't go to seminary, so I, I, that disqualifies me, has to. And in the, in the Old Testament, it really was different. The, the priest had certain special jobs. And the priests came from a certain lineage. So they were born into the right family and they went to the right schools. And all of these things had to be in place. They knew things that most of the people didn't know. They were schooled in the Levitical law. And, and so, so it was different then. But now, I think what we've, what we've seen in the New Testament and really in the last couple of thousand years is I believe that God has opened those five offices up to the entire world and to the entire church. And that in some way that when we serve in church, we're going to serve in one of those five functions. 
Because you think about what an, ev- an evangelist, what does an evangelist do? They connect people. People that don't feel comfortable with God or in church or with Christianity, well, they bring them to faith. And every week, there's a whole team of people on this campus that do exactly that. Because the gospel is preached when somebody gets out of their car. The way that they're treated, the way that they're welcomed, the way that the door is opened, the way that the campus looks. Everything about that is setting the environment for someone to come to faith. And so to me, Leon out there opening doors, he's probably the greatest evangelist that we have. I can't tell you how many people came to faith in the first three years of our church because of a guy named Mr. David who's not here. I wish he was here because you would know it, baby. He'd get up right now. <laughs> he Remember, he would hold the sign out front. He would hold the upper room sign. I mean, he, would, I mean, he was a party all in himself, just, just, like, like just, all, just so happy. And dozens of people, I'd ask him, how did you end up here? He's like, well, the guy with the sign like flagged me over and st- stepped out in front of my car <laughs> and said I had to come to church, you know. So, it, so Evangelist David out there just, just bringing them in. Like, like, like these are way more practical functions than what we realize. Martin Luther really made this practical in the last couple of hundred years when he talked about the priesthood of all believers. Because there was kind of a, you know, it was just, the fro- frozen chosen got to do that, right? Clergy, the word clergy means someone who reads. I don't really see that in the New Testament. I mean, I don't see that term. And then laymen, right? It kind of differentiated, well, the, the clergy are here and the laymen are here. And what do they do? They just lay around all day, you know what I'm saying? I don't, just laymen. I, I, I don't know. But, but I, think, I think what has happened now and what I believe is God's heart is that everyone has been invited into this, this role, these five functions, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Look at the 12 that Jesus picked. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were normal, everyday people. It was a ragtag bunch, y'all. Like, like Peter, you didn't know if he was going to preach the gospel to you or pull out a sword and try to cut your throat, right? Like, that's the way that he rolled. He was, he was rough around the edges. He wasn't perfect. And I think that we're, we're, it's an incredible time to be alive right now because God wants to use your life to reach someone else. And it's not just reserved for the five functions or these few people or, well, we'll hire staff to do that. And I think that's why so many pastors are burning out because they're trying to do it all, right? They're trying to be the evangelist and they're trying to be the pastor and they're trying to be the apostle and they're trying to be all the, you know, and it's like, no, that's not the way God designed it. God designed it as a body, right? And we all function together and so it's just not one person's gift that gets used 99% of the time. The greatest, the greatest thing we can do in the kingdom of God is to come together in unity and watch how God uses every single person. One of the things we teach that I'll teach in the growth track is I believe every partner of Upper Room is a pastor. Because at some point in your life, you're going to help somebody take their next step in faith. You're going to do that. It may be on the job. It may be driving in a truck. It might be on, you know, at school. And you're eating lunch and somebody asks you a question. Why do you got your Bible? Why are you reading this book? 
And a pastor is just is someone who protects, but someone who helps a, a new believer take a next step. And there's no way that me, myself, or the pastoral team here can, can, can be there for every one of those situations. There's no way. And so God has equipped you to be a pastor for someone. Because you're going to be a pastor for someone. Because there's places that you're going to go that I'll never be able to get into. Because of your gift, because of your talent, because of what you do. You're going to interact with people that I will never ever be able to interact with. I'll never be able to talk to. And so God brings people in front of us, along our, in front of our past, so that we can help them take these next steps and pastor and lead people. And so God, he's called all of us, say all of us. He's called all of us to reach out, serve, minister to the community around us. We've all got that call in our life. It's, and there are certain people who really, like, it's clear that that's, you know, they, there are evangelists and that's what they do. And there are pastors and that's what they do full time. And there's apostles and, you know, we, we see these functions within the church. And I'm thankful for those folks who do that. But I believe it's way more practical than it is professional. That God wants every person to be involved in that process. Every person to be involved in that process. And so we're going back to our original text, 1 Corinthians 12. And then Paul gives a list of these gifts that he calls gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we have these gifts from God. We have these five functions of the church that Jesus gave to the church that are gifts to build the church, to reach the world around us. But then Paul gives these, this list of, of gifts from the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to read it, verses 4 through 11. There's different kinds of gifts, but there's the, same, the same Spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord, different kinds of working, and all of them, but it's the same God at work. Now each person, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. You should circle that, for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Another, a message of knowledge. To another, by faith, the same Spirit, gifts of healing. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. One is discernment or distinguishing between spirits. And then there's the tongues, interpretation of tongues. And all of these work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines all right so this is i know this is a lot but one way to remember it is these nine gifts of the spirit it's there's nine fruit of the spirit so some scholars believe for every gift of the spirit that there's a fruit but this is what i want you to see here these these lists of nine that he gives on the holy spirit he talks about these gifts a little bit different you know like like when he says jesus gave these gifts it was almost like a possession they had it it was theirs the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. God's those seven gifts in Romans is like a perspective. It's your design. It's the way God made you. But then these gifts of the Spirit, he uses the word manifest, like, like it's something that, that just happens kind of in the moment, spontaneously. That maybe it's not so much, well, God used me to pray for someone one time and they received a miracle. And that may not mean that, that I'm, I know now I can pray for all these folks and they're going to receive miracles because it may only happen once. Or, or God may give you a, a, a word of knowledge. And that, that's basically, I think, like a, listening to that gut, that, that, 
that deep voice inside of you, Jesus talked about out of your belly is gonna flow rivers of living water. And there's some things that you just know sometimes. But all of these gifts that he lists, what I really believe is that, number one, when we come together as a church, it's pretty amazing what God is willing and wanting to do in our lives when we're just open to it. I don't, I don't think that these gifts are for anyone special or particular. I don't think you gotta be perfect to operate in these gifts. And I've noticed in my life, it's been very natural. It hasn't been like weird. Like when somebody, you know, it's, it's conversational. It's through relationship. When somebody will say something, I mean, they're, they're the only reason that I'm doing this today is because God has, used, has, has asked people and put on, you know, had them speak something over my life and they no, normally have no idea that they're doing it. And sometimes you can be just sharing with someone and I think being led by the Spirit, it, it's, it's not for perfect people, it's for available people. And it's gonna look a lot like your normal everyday life. And I think the way that Jesus did it, and then we're gonna, we're gonna pray, is that Jesus noticed. He noticed. He noticed hurting people. He noticed people that were the, the, the subjects of injustice. He noticed people that didn't fit into the crowd. He didn't go to the wealthy, to the wise. There's a word for that called attunement. And I think kids do that better than anyone. Right? They just, they, they just know when you're having a bad day. They just, they know when you're not telling the truth. Like, like, like and they can go in a room and, and they, they can tell what's going on in someone's life. They don't, you don't have to talk to them. They're just so attuned to the people around them. And I don't know if it's just because their brain is still developing. And, but Jesus was attuned to the needs around him. And he went to those that were hurting the most. And one other thing that I really love about Jesus is, is he, was, he wasn't ever in a hurry. Have you noticed that? We're going to talk about that, or Austin's going to talk about that on week five. His pace. He always had time. He would say things like, I have to go through Samaria, way out of his way. He's going to Jerusalem, but he says, I got to go several miles out of my way. Why? Because I got to meet with someone who's hurting, I have a miracle for Being led by the Spirit, I think seeing these gifts in our life, I hope they happen on Sunday and I pray they do, but sometimes we try to see all these gifts happen in one hour on Sunday and that's not the way they were meant to be. It's in your everyday life. It's just paying attention, being sensitive, slowing down. I think we're in such a hurry that we just, and I do this y'all, like I do this so much, I gotta remind myself to slow down, to not be in a hurry, because I think sometimes we speed right through moments where the Holy Spirit is saying, I, I want you to go and talk to that person at lunch, student. They've been sitting by themselves for, since school started. They just transferred here. Nobody knows who they are. They don't know anybody. And I'm going to go sit with them. That's, that's, that's walking in the Spirit. That's being led by the Spirit. That's noticing the coworker that you, you, she's been talking about not having enough money and she's got more month than she has money. And maybe you have a little bit extra that month that you can help her. It's being attuned, I think, to the people around us. 
And and when we do that, I believe with all my heart that God will do the miraculous. We're just vessels. We just got to be available. So this is what I want you to do. I just want you to close your eyes. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer this morning. And Father, we just thank you so much for these gifts. We thank you that you're so generous to us. That every person in here has a gift from you. Whether they know it or feel like that some days it can feel like we don't have much to offer but Lord every person in this room has treasure inside of them and so Lord I just pray God in this moment right now we just ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts like David prayed in the book of Psalms that you would God uncover things inside of us if there's gifts that we're not using Lord, bring it to our consciousness. Remind us of that that vision, that dream that you gave us. Remind us of that time that we stepped out in faith and you met us there. But Lord, most of all, I pray that you would help us to be available. Available to the Holy Spirit when he tells us to make that call or go out of our way to be with that person or to go sit with that person. But most of all, Lord, we're open and available, God. And we, we ask for these gifts to flow through our church and through our community. God, we want to experience all that you have to offer. God, we want everything that you have for us. And so, Lord, we thank you so much. And we just give you all the praises in Jesus' name.